0: you this evening uh we are gonna we'll see how far we get in this lesson it might take a few weeks to go through this. Um actually with the Teen Sunday school group we are doing a little study on uh, it's called Building Up but it's about thinking biblically how to think biblically and as we've been going through it actually for a couple weeks I said you know what there's some really good stuff in here it's like uh, there's some stuff for the grown ups to glean from too in this I, I'll be honest I've been blessed myself just in the study and kind of an encouragement how to think biblically. Uh, I invite you to turn your Bibles uh, to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be in a couple passages tonight. Uh, might even call upon one or two of you to read a passage, so be ready. How many of you ever did the Bible sword drills before? How many, what was a sword drill? You know, basically you're supposed to keep your, how do you do it? Basically keep your Bible up and someone says, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And then they say go or draw or whatever they say, some command order. And then everyone rushes to open to that passage. Whoever finds it first stands, and they're supposed to read it. and uh, Anyways, things like that. I was talking with the teens about that, and of course they were familiar with that. And I think almost all the teens hated that because it was just so hard work. I mean, it's easier to find it on your phone. If you have a Bible app, you're welcome to use your Bible app, but make sure it's just your Bible app, okay? Okay. But uh, in looking at this, I'm not going to ask you to do sword drills tonight, but uh, be ready as we might go through a few passages. I mentioned this morning in the message, too, that oftentimes in a message, I try to stick as much as I can to one central passage. Maybe once in a while I'll look at a comparing verse or something. But tonight we're going to do a little bit of extra search. I think it depends on your audience and who you're working with. The more familiar we are with the Scriptures, I think is good as well. So, it's good to have that balance. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We're going to start with this verse. I'll go ahead and read this. These are verses we know. Uh, th- no surprise here. Proverbs 3, verses 5, and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Okay? So, that is kind of like the lead verse for tonight for this, this study here. I have a little we're going to draw here in just a few moments as well that will kind of help us understand thinking biblically. Uh, in this book, and I love the story, there was one Bible professor at some school that uh, kind of taught his students how to think. And I think sometimes even as we, adults, we kind of, we're, we, we're in a rut or we're, we're, we're too old to change, you know, type of thing, you know, I'm, I'm just going to do it my way type of thing. But I think we need to be challenged in how we think, how we perceive life that's around us. And so the, the, uh, the teacher, he kind of did this. A lot of times the way that most everyone looks at the world, circumstances in their lives, decisions that need to be made, this is how a lot of people do it. They take the, the lens of the world, what they're used to, the culture and how they perceive things, and then that's how they view the Bible, is through that world lens. They view the Bible through their own culture. They view the Bible through the way people talk, the way people, other people make decisions, the, the way other people work. Per se, not, not necessarily bad in itself. So there's things in the world system that are good. Uh, that you know, like a good work ethic, for example. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, in fact, we encourage people to have a good work ethic. You know, it's, it's, I think it's a good testimony. Number one. That's just one example. But I think a lot of times we put the cart before the horse when we view the Bible or what God says through the lens of the world a lot of whether we realize it or not we often do that okay and I think this is something that we should be challenged of as Christians so how should we view life then a lot of people view they view the Bible they view the church they view other things from the world around them okay the world system if you will but how should we view the world? Basically, through the lens of Scripture, and that's how we should see the world around us. That's how you do it, okay? Pretty straightforward, really, when you think about it. But I think we often need that reminder. Uh, for example, when uh, how we handle our possessions, how we handle our monies, our finances, how we operate in that. What does the world say? Get a, the best job you can. Make a lot of money, put it in a bank, put it in a 401k. You know, they give you all this great advice and there's nothing wrong with it. We should but what how do we but that's how people say, okay, and then we maybe put a Bible verse on top of it. But how should we view it? The Bible says what? To lay not for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. That's how we view possessions, for example. Okay? I'm just using that as an example as we go on today. But the way we start out, and I like how this book starts out. I'm going to share just a few uh, tip or a few things from this. Is really how we think biblically. First of all, starts with understanding authority. Who is our authority? Okay, this is something even as adults we kind of uh, we kind of we kind of know it's around it, but we kind of just uh, we we keep walking on if, if you will. But here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to read the first paragraph here because that's I think it's very important. The, it says here, the alarm clock goes off, informing you it is time to get up. In a relatively short period of time between rising from bed and arriving at work, you encounter a number of reminders that you are under authority. Okay? Believe it or not, you're under authority the moment you get up. Why? Because you have a responsibility. For example, being to work on time. Okay? For your retired folks, you can sleep in a few extra minutes, okay? <laughs> but what's an what, he's, I like what he's saying, This, and I talk with the teens about this. How about the idea of what's one of the first things you do in the morning? I don't know about you, but one of the first things I do is I have to brush my teeth, okay? Let me ask you this. Who in the world told you you had to brush your teeth? I talk to my kids, you don't have to brush your teeth, and they try to find any excuse not to brush your teeth, but don't we have an authority that kind of tells us to brush your teeth? So I'm going to ask you, who told you to brush your teeth? Who? Dentist. Your dentist. Would you say your dentist has some authority in telling you what to do? Yeah, and let me ask you this. When your dentist, you go to the dentist. My kids, two of my kids go to the dentist tomorrow morning. And if they, what are they going to say to my kids? You better do what? Brush your teeth, floss, and rinse, Right. You got to do that. Why? Why is the dentist doing that? Because he has the kid's best interest in mind. He, he knows the system, he knows what will help take care of your teeth. Okay? And so, in a sense, that dentist is an authority figure. Now, that's carried out, and I'm using my children as an example. But now, mom, let's say the dentist says that, but now mom and dad says, hey, before you go to bed, brush your teeth. Okay? Parents were an authority figure. All right? And what's the kids going to say? My kids are angels, right? <laughs> Thank you, Marcy. <Margie. laughs> My kids are angels. Of course, they're going to line up with sweet smiles and they're going to be running up the stairs and brushing their teeth as soon as I say it, right? No, if if your experience has been like mine, there's some days where it's like, oh, sometimes it's a losing battle, right? So why is it different for them responding to me and miss mandy as an authority versus the dentist if the dentist says that they're probably more going to be likely to follow that command right adults if your dentist said that are you going to probably more likely follow the command you're not answering okay this is scary okay <laughs> all right but this is the point we all have authority over us i think some different things okay you have as you work, many of us uh, who are in the working, or you've had experience working, you have under a manager, for example, or under a boss, or uh, your employer, for example, you have to answer to them. There's certain quotas. There's certain responsibilities you have. You have to clock in at a certain time, for example, uh, depending on your job, uh, and so you do answer to that. On the on, as far as education goes, students answer to their teachers, for example. Uh, teacher's answer to the principal just giving that or maybe a college president there's different layers of accountability that we have and authority that is over us obviously classic things this you're driving on the road and what keeps you in check from going 90 on on uh, I94 what why don't you go 90 miles an hour on 94 because there's a spiel, so you've got signs posting you like, you better not, but also in the back of your mind, in the back of your mirror, you're looking out for who? The troopers or the police officers, okay? Because why? There is an authority figure around, and it, it's kind of keeping you in check. So whether you realize it or not, you are under authority for that. And so this is, again, how we understand thinking biblically about authority in, 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 the, in, in our lives. So, for example... Um, Think about the last time, okay, that you were under authority, okay, who gave you a command? Just think, maybe you don't have to answer this, but give an idea of who gave you a command, that who had an authority over you. Maybe it was a boss to ask you to do a project, for example, or turn in at a certain time. Maybe it was, or maybe it was your spouse telling you to go brush your teeth, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay? You never know, okay? But let me ask you a further question. What was your response, your Let me just say this. What was your attitude when uh, someone asks you to do something, when your boss asks you to maybe do a project, for example? What was your response when all of a sudden the police officer, you saw the blue light special going on behind you? What was your response? What was your attitude? Whether or not you said it, what was your heart attitude? We're going to get the heart of the matter. What were you thinking? How did you feel about that situation? Okay, how we feel kind of reveals a little bit of our attitude and a little bit of how we respond to authority. Okay? And so this is kind of, again, understanding how do we think biblically for that. So here's the thing. How then do we respond to authority in general? Okay? So in doing this, to think biblically, a person must understand the concept of authority and respond appropriately to authority figures. We know that every authority is, is, has pure and righteous intentions. We know that but in general what we're talking about here recognizing the authority figure and respecting the alt and ultimate authority are essential first steps towards developing an ethical framework okay so it's important that we recognize an authority figure and respect the ultimate authority for that so let's get to the bottom of this biblically how did people in the bible we're going to look at a couple quick examples of how people responded to authority in understanding who the real authority was. How do we look at the lens of the world around us? How do we look at the world around us through the lens of Scripture, the lens of the Bible? All right, I need someone to turn to Genesis 39. Who would like to do that? Genesis 39? I'm going to have a couple people read different. Okay, Dave's going to do Genesis 39. I need someone else to read Ecclesiastes 12. Do I have someone who read Ecclesiastes 12? I have four Scriptures we're going to read really quick. Who would like to read Ecclesiastes 12? Daphne, okay. Uh, Romans thirteen one. Who would like to read Romans thirteen one? Woody, okay. And then one more. Colossians chapter three, verse twenty three and twenty four. Who would like to read? All right, uh, Miss Carol. Okay. So Genesis thirty nine verses six through nine. Okay, Dave, you have that one. And he left all that he had in Joseph, and he knew not aught. He had, save the bread which he did eat, and Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused, and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master what hath not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Okay, so here we have Joseph, and we're dealing with Potiphar's wife. I hope most of you know the story, know it well. If not, it's a good story—the story of Joseph. Okay, but what's, the question is here: is who did Joseph say he would actually be sinning against if he were to give in? To her advances, who would he actually be sinning against? Really, God Himself. Yeah. I mean, he would be sinning against his employer, Potiphar, well, his, his owner, if you will, but that'd be one transgression. But the real person, the real one that Joseph would sin against would be God Himself. Okay? So again, Joseph is looking at his situation biblically, he's thinking biblically. Yes, it's one thing to sin or do something against your fellow neighbor. Again, make those, uh, you know, work those things out, okay? Confess sins, things like that. But ultimately, Joseph knew it's his response to God. All right, next we have Ecclesiastes verses 13 and 14. Ecclesiastes, excuse me, 12, verses 13 and 14. Daphne? Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is what for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Okay. So, in these two verses, by the way, those are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. I love Ecclesiastes 12. But as we think about this, according to that verse, what events of your life are outside of God's view? Nothing. There's nothing outside. Does God know everything about your life? He knows what you did yesterday, last year. He knows what you did today. He knows what you'll be doing tomorrow, and and so on. Nothing is out of of range of God's view. In other words, He knows all. One big word we use for that is He's omniscient. He knows all. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And He knows He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. So in that, God is our authority. If He really watches over us, by the way, He's our creator too. So He knows His inside and out. You put all those layers together. God is that authority figure. Next one, we have Romans ten. Or excuse me, Romans thirteen, verse one. Woody? Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Okay, uh, really interesting passage right there in Romans thirteen. But the question is, who controls the governments? Not the president, not the Supreme Court, not your legislator, not even your city alderman. Okay. <laughs> All right. It is who God. God is the one who ordains government, whether the White House realizes or not. They probably don't, <laughs> but nonetheless, whether they realize it or not, God is the one who ordains. He has set that there. Okay, uh, and so ultimately, every government has to answer to God. Okay. I'll be honest with you. Even King Jong il in North Korea, he has to answer to God for the way he's handling the country. And by word, he's going to have a wake up call. But, you know, even our country, I mean, we're not immune from that, okay? All right, last, last verse to look at, Colossians 3, 23, and 24. And whatsoever you do, do it hardly against to the Lord, and not unto him. Knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye see, serve the Lord Christ. Okay, great verse. Well, again, so there's a lot of good verses here. But here's the question. Who does any Christian ultimately work for or serve? Who do we ultimately serve? The Lord, exactly. So when you're at your job, uh, when you're taking care of your children, grandchildren, for example, whatever you're doing, you're doing it really ultimately for the Lord, as a believer. As a believer, you're ultimately doing these things for the Lord, even when you forget, you're still doing it for the Lord, okay? He needs to receive the glory. So in that, who is the authority figure? It's God. Everything that we do is for the Lord. Now, is God that's, you know, big brother, so to speak? He's always watching us. I, I was telling the kids, uh, teens this morning, that, you know, you think of Santa Claus, you know, he sees you when he's sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. I know, but when you really think about that, Santa Claus is really creepy. <laughs> if he's constantly watching over you, I mean, it's all for good, but, you know, you get coal cold in your stocking, so there's. A, anyway, that's another issue. But ultimately, God, he wants the best interest. Just like, again, the dentist. He says, "Brush your teeth and all that." He gives a command. Why? For your well-being. Even so, God, He institutes His authority over us because He does it for our well-being. In this, God is the ultimate authority in our area of life. Okay, so very quickly, there's a couple things uh, on this. How do we know then God is the ultimate authority? Where's the credentials? Where's the proof of that? We see that in creation, Genesis one one. In the beginning, what? God did what? Greater of the heavens and the earth. He made creation. That includes you and me. He made you, okay? Uh, it says in, in Psalm 139, a beautiful passage, that God knows us inside and out. He knows uh, our, I mean, we cannot escape from God. Uh, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? You know, God knows us uh, inside and out. We cannot escape him in that. And so there's a couple credentials in all this, okay? First of all, we know that God is our creator. Okay? Which means, as a result, I am his creation. Just that alone means that all the world, all creation is under his authority. Okay? It's all under his authority. Uh, as bad as this, the devil would like to take this world for himself, he is the prince and part there in the sense that God is age, if you will. But ultimately, he has, Satan has to answer to God. All right? God, the buck stops with God. Clear and simple, okay? In that we are his creation, and we also have to answer God. Secondly, God's authority established through his eternality. He's an eternality, which means what? If we say God is eternal, what does that mean? Someone, what's that? Always, was, always, will, be. always will be. He is, basically. He is timeless, if you will. God doesn't have a birthday, all right? We, it's hard for us to comprehend that, you know, ourselves. We, we have a start and end, so to speak. God, He is. Never had a beginning, never has an end. He's eternal with that. And so, He is above and over all time. Okay, Here's an interesting question. What would be different about your life and interaction with God if you were constantly aware that God has always existed? Wow, that's a really big thing to think about. If you knew that God has always existed, how would that make your life different? God is, so therefore, we should do things pleasing to the Lord. He's our authority. Third, God, is His authority is established through His power. The word that we often use for that, He He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. That powerful equals an authority. Okay? When we think of going back to the playground, okay, Uh, going back to your grammar school or elementary school days, you had the playground. Who was the boss of the playground? It usually was the biggest person, the biggest kid, Right? The toughest kid. You know, I remember this time of year we had the big snow piles and we used to play King of the Mountain, King of the Hill. Anyone ever do that? No, a couple of people, all right. Get up there and, you know, you're fighting for position, you throw people off the hill and, you know, Not, I'm surprised more kids didn't get hurt that way, but nonetheless, uh, it's, it's kind of like who is the biggest kid around is the one who controlled the playground, so to speak, okay? But in, in essence here, the power here God's power is not like that of the schoolyard bullies. Rather, God's power is characterized by love. His power is love. It's really amazing how that happens. Fourth, God's authority is affirmed, the fact that he is everywhere. That's omnipresent. Again, we cannot escape um, his his presence. Here's a question. Think back over the last three days. How often did you uh, basically try to get out of God's sight? Maybe you try to subvert God's authority by your actions. Uh, those are some things we consider. You remember when uh, Adam and Eve sinned? What was, the, what was the first thing they did after they ate of the fruit? What did they do? They went into hiding. And a little bit later, God is calling in the garden, Adam, where are you? Now, does that, does that mean that Adam and God were playing hide and seek, and God doesn't know where Adam is? no. God knew, knew exactly where Adam was, but he's asking a question, Adam, where are you? He's trying to get Adam to confess, to be honest. Uh, so that's very important. But God knows everyone. Think about that. Have we subverted God's authority? Okay. Another thing we know about God, his authority, he is omniscient. He, he is all knowledgeable. With that, God is also wise. He's all wise. God is not only all wise, he is also holy. He's all holy. And so seeing the holiness of God... He is perfect. And so these characteristics definitely say, are we a creator? No. Are we all knowing? No. Are we all present, ever present? No. Are we timeless? No. Are we holy? No. Are we all wise? No. We are limited in in what we can do. But that is why God is overall. So now this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a little exercise here on the board. Okay? And so... I want you to think now. We're going to kind of go back to that lens, if you will. And uh, we're going to... All right, for those who sat way in the back, you can come up later and you can doodle with me, okay? So with that in mind, uh, think of this. I want you to think of a major decision that you've had to make in your life, okay? Think of a major decision you've had to make. And again, let's go back to the idea. How do we make decisions a lot of times we do it on our going back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We don't trust the Lord with all our heart. We lean onto our own understandings. Most of the time, that's how we do it. Okay, so what we do, going back to that image from that Bible professor, what do we do? We view the, through basically our own ingenuity, the culture around us, the way we perceive things, human ideas, which some are good, but they always have limitations, always. But that's how we view the Bible. And that's how we view life. But if we view it from the lens of the Bible or from God's perspective, now we see life as the way it should be, in a proper perspective. Okay, So with that in mind, think of a major decision that uh, you've had to make. Someone give me an example of a major decision that you've had to make. You've never had to make a major decision. All right, Daphne. Okay, was that a big, big move for you guys? All right, took a lot of faith, right, to do that? Okay, so we're talking about a big move. Our family, we moved from Tennessee back up here. I mean, uh, talking about it was a big move for us, too. So with that, and I want everyone to help Daphne out, and Dave, too. Or maybe he's beyond help, I don't know. So, <laughs> all right, so I want you to give me an idea. If you had to make such a big move, and, so, and many of you have, maybe even across town you've had to do that, who would you go for, to advice? Who would you get advice from? when you had to make such a move give me an example your spouse okay okay anyone else a pastor, a pastor. okay anyone else family. friend okay You said family okay okay anyone else Tabitha? God? Okay. Why don't you guys say that? (laughs) All right. Anyone else? God. (laughs) Moving on. Who who else would you ask? I mean, you're making a big move. Who would you ask for advice for things? Parents? We'll probably include that in family. How about... Practically, you're getting a house. Who are, you going to ask, who are you going to ask help with to get a house? Realtor. A realtor. There we go. Okay. All right. Realtor? Anyone else? Someone else you would ask? Yeah. All right. Let's just put banker. We'll let's sum it up with a banker, finance person. Okay. Okay, good. Anyone else? Coworker. Coworker? All right. All right. And yeah, maybe one more. Anyone else you would go to advice for a big move like that? Anyone else? A boss? Uh, let's just put bosses. Okay. Okay, good. So we have one, two, three, four. We have about nine different connections. And I think hopefully if you're wise, you will consult. What does Proverbs say? In the multitude of counselors, there is safety, right? So hopefully you have consulted with several different avenues. Uh, Can I throw in one extra? Because this is what the teens did. Google, right? You're going to Google it, all right? So we'll put Google down here too. All right, be honest with you. You probably have done or at least thought about it. You put in Google, search, you know, what's going on in the area. I'll be honest, when we came up here, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, yeah, we Googled the area, see what's around Maple Grove, for example, and, you know, what's around the church. We even Googled the church, you know, just different things like that to get information. So we have now 10 different uh, places. So here's the thing. When you make a decision, what percentage, who did you probably go to the most or spend the most time with to get advice for that major move or that major decision? I hope so, yes. But when we divide up our time, when we divide up our time as far as who we go to for advice, for most Christians, and Ron, I hope you're the exception, as you've mentioned, but for most Christians, God is really a pretty small percentage. I'll be honest with you, even maybe a pastor, that's probably a smaller percentage as far as the time you would spend getting advice. You're probably more talking with your spouse, your family perhaps you're probably on the phone a lot with a realtor, I'm sure that's just part of the territory. But here's the thing. When we have to make a decision, how do we view that thing? We view it a lot in our own understanding. And that might be good. Family, co-workers, Google. There's some good things about it. you can find some very good information. But if we I'll be honest with you, if we don't first of all view the situation from the lens of scripture. From the, from the lens of what God wants us to do, trusting the Lord with all our heart and not leaning to our own understanding. If we trust the Lord with all of our heart, guess what? The Bible, God will help us, I think, even more when that decision needs to be made. Okay, So this is kind of the challenge in, in talking about biblical thinking that honors God. I, do this, I would challenge us that we would view this uh, as we go into this year, 2023, I can't believe it, 2023, as we look at the year ahead, I was talking with a dear friend of mine, um, uh, might even come up here later this year, we'll see. I was kind of sharing with some, some of the blessings, things that were going on here at Victory. And I said this, you know, with the different events and things that we have going on and outreaches, whatever it may be, I don't want Victory Baptist, I don't want us as a church family just to see something, a date on the calendar, and okay, we're excited to have this. I want to see God's hand at work through this event. I want to see God do something through this. I don't want just to, hey, we got something exciting going on in the calendar. we got a men's breakfast that's going to happen in in March. We've been doing that for the past couple of years. I want to see God do something great through that. Uh, Last year was a blessing. We had several visitors that came through that, several guests. I wanted to see God do something great, Okay. We have a prophecy conference coming up towards the end of April with Dr. Schmidt. It's not just an exciting event on the calendar. Hey, we get to study prophecy. Hey, can we see the hand of God do something great in our lives and our church through that? Those are just a couple of examples through that. So I challenge us, and I'm challenging myself. I'm preaching myself as well. Let us look at what is going on in our lives through the lens of Scripture, through what God sees, to trust the Lord with all our heart. You know what? And the rest... It won't won't be our understanding. It will be God's understanding. When we understand the mind of God, it helps us in these details of life.